Looking to sharpen your competitive edge when it comes to design? Join hundreds of subscribers using 11FS Pulse to solve their users' problems and get to market faster. Discover over 4,000 user journeys from global brands like Revolut, Curve, and Soldo, and learn how to design winning customer propositions with our expert analysis. Get started today by visiting bit.ly forward slash get a pulse demo. Hello and welcome to InsureTech Insider, episode 88. I'm Sarah Kachansky. In today's episode, we're going to talk about embedded insurance, by which we mean insurance that comes alongside or as part of another product or service. It's not a new concept, but as the distribution environment has continued to change due to evolution in economies and market dynamics, it is coming back to the fore. As always, I am not alone, and today I am joined by Nigel Walsh. How are you doing today, Nigel? I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm I'm chipper, if I'm allowed to say that. You are certainly allowed to say that, if that's how you feel. I should should also say a hearty congratulations to you. I know you said online this morning you were late to the party, but I don't know if it's ever true. On your Women in Fintech Awards, or announcement for the Power 50 list. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, it was um, it was something of a surprise. I wasn't really paying attention until the tweets started happening. So um, no, it was it's very nice. It's very nice to be included alongside such amazing women in fintech. I'm I'm very very pleased. To dive into the topic of embedded insurance today, we are also joined by some excellent guests. So first up, we have Kevin McCallum, Chief Commercial Officer at Free Agent. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, delighted to be here. Thanks, Sarah. Could you start off by giving us a little bit of an overview of about FreeAgent for those who don't know what it is you guys do? Sure. FreeAgent is an online accounting software platform for the UK's smallest businesses, pretty much, and their accountants. We've been on the go for about 14 years now, and probably relevant for the conversation today, about three years ago, we became part of the NatWest group uh, as well. So it's been uh, an interesting trajectory from from the very early days of FreeAgent to where we are today. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure we'll get into um, that in a bit more detail later on. But first, I'm going to introduce our second guest who is making a return visit to the podcast. And that is Alex Wheel, Commercial Client Manager at Hiscox. How are you today, Alex? I'm very good, Sarah. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me back. I don't think anybody needs an overview of Hiscox, but perhaps you could give us a little bit of an overview of of what it is you do there and, and how that relates to embedded insurance. So yeah, of course, right. So I've got a few different roles within Hiscox. The one, the one element I'll focus on here is uh, is our, as our account manager, our relationship with Free Agent. So got Free Agent already on the on the on the conversation here, but we're building insurance products within Free Agent, their own cloud accounting platform, and it's my job to kind of oversee that from a from a Hiscox perspective and develop that embedded insurance out with them. Brilliant. So we have connections between all our guests today, which is uh, really nice to see. Okay, we're going to start off by trying to work out what embedded insurance is. Now, I know that all three of you will have your own definitions of this. Who wants to go first? And let's see if they see if they align, shall we? Well, I was going to say, Nigel's going to have the all-encompassing right answer at the end of this, I would imagine. So I, I don't mind. I don't mind kicking it off as to what I come on, Alex, you go first as to what I understand it to be, and then Nigel can correct me afterwards. Um, <laughs> the um, So, I mean, I see embedded insurance as the distribution and the management of insurance within a non-insurance product, ultimately, right? That ultimately is that's what it delivers. And mainly that's delivered through technology in most cases these days. How does that do, Nigel? I like it. I like it a lot. Unlike insurance, which no one (laughs) likes really, apart from us, which we love. And that's almost why embedded insurance has become almost, almost the topic du jour for the last three to six months. So... And I suspect we'll go on and on and on. But uh, 
Yeah, that's it. You nailed it. I think the, the other thing probably to add on to that, so I, I, I totally agree with Alex, obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're working together on this, uh, Fraser and Hiscox. But I think the data really kind of plays a real real role in this sort of stuff. And the embedding is not just window dressing. You know, it's a kind of re- really key component that this stuff actually is properly inside rather than just a point off to or a signpost at. You know, there's a really kind of key component about embedding, you know, that we're, we're kind of focused on that I think is uh, perhaps relevant for the kind of wider conversation of what embedded insurance is today and what it might end up being as well. So, so I guess, you know, with, with that in mind, do we want to sort of talk a little bit about what the difference is between what products that people might understand? So, for example, if you go and buy something from John Lewis, you will quite often um, historically have been offered insurance on that product as you purchase it, whether, you know, in the form of an add-on warranty or, you know, same with cars. How is what we're talking about today different to that model, which, you know, has existed, I, presumably as long as department stores have existed, although somebody will correct me on that, I'm sure. But what, how is this different? How has it evolved? What are we talking about now? So, I mean, there is a difference between a warranty and an insurance in the first place, right, is what I would clarify. So a warranty is normally around a product and it working as, as it should do and it's on the manufacturer and it's how, how long that's going to work before it breaks down you get it replaced if it doesn't, right? So there's that element and that's an add-on or it's included with a, with a, with a product that you buy. Whereas insurance is around the things that doesn't cover like theft and damage and that type of stuff. So there's always been a, a separation of, 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 of the two. I think um, what embedded insurance is allowing people to do more now is is it's not just it's not just transactional, right? It's not at point of sale that you buy something. It actually can be quite transformative. Like it's it's actually how you're managing it from day of purchase, as opposed to I've just bought something now. I've got this as an add-on, and I'll use it as and when. But I have to go through the same process as I would do if I bought it ad hocly. Actually, you can manage everything within something that you bought it as, or through the partner that you bought it through. I guess the point is that for a customer who has a washing machine with a warranty, in their head, they might see that as insurance, if you see what I mean. To them, it's the idea mm-hmm. that this washing machine breaks down, somebody's going to replace it. And I, I wonder if, and we'll get onto this a bit, little bit later, but part of the challenge we have here is explaining to customers you know, what, what the differences are in, in the nuances in their head, because all they really want at the end of the day is to be protected nine times out of 10, I think. You've nailed it, Sarah. And I think the, the bigger challenge, or, or, or in equal measure, is people don't really care. They just want to be protected. I don't care if you call it a warranty, an insurance, a replacement or whatever it might be. The average consumer that you engage with doesn't really mind what we call it as long as they get the outcome that they want at the end of the day. And that's where we start to see some of the challenges coming in because is it a warranty? Is it a third party add-on? Is it a manufacturer piece? Where does that responsibility lie? I mean, you you and I have had the conversation over over the years on travel insurance that says, hey, it's travel insurance, but you've got to start with your credit card because that's where you bought it from. So it's almost making sure it's easy to actually engage, not just on the acquisition, but also on the servicing. I think that the timeliness is is the other thing in this as well. And, and maybe jumping ahead a bit here, but in terms of like insurance for small businesses, which which is, um, I suppose, the only, the main lines that come up for agent from, you know, is, is, is SMB and SME insurance. Um, it, it, it is this thing that it, it's a bit of a pain of once a year, rather than, than something that kind of just works for you. And, and like Nigel says, it, it's, you know, the servicing on that. I mean, this is why kind of customer service is still a very big thing for the insurers, but actually n- not having to provide the customer service would be even better outcome for everybody. The consumer, the purchaser of the insurance, you don't want to have to contact people about this kind of stuff. You want it just to just to work, be available for you, and even remind you when you have to do it. You know, I, know, I think that, that, that uh, renew it and or 
the, the claims process is going to be streamlined and, and straightforward as well. So all of those kind of bits and pieces, if there was one word that I think Alex and I might kind of zoom in on for what we're trying to do is about simplicity for the end user and, and all of this kind of stuff and, you know, in the platforms they're already using, you know, that's where its stuff should live. So mine came focus focused on commercial insurance, right? So UK SMEs, and that's going to be where our expertise is, but you can apply that equally, I think, to personal insurance, life insurance, motor insurance, embedded insurance opportunities across a whole range of different different products and different customers. And I think this, you can essentially apply the same rules or the, or the same thinking across, across all of that. So we'll pick up on this a little bit more, but first I want to talk about why you as providers of insurance or, or participants, I suppose, in the insurance ecosystem want to do this. You know, the benefits to, to consumers we'll get onto in, in just a little bit. But, you know, how is this good for you guys? I mean, you know, Alex, you're, you're an insurer. Uh, you know, Kevin, you're a, a, a very different sort of platform historically. Why would you do this, <laughs> basically? What are your reasons for being involved in this kind of product? Yeah, well, I think it's it's this, I'm slightly biased here, right? But we, we, we would believe that the accounting platforms kind of the end state for a lot of information about a business, but is also probably a logical place, you know, because people use it fairly regularly, you know, use your invoices, you do your expenses, you can rec- reconcile your banking, you do all of the taxes, all these things. It's it's a, you know, it's not the, the funnest thing always, but it's, it's a regular place that you go uh, and, and kind of manage things. And the, the, there's two, two aspects to that. One is that you're already in there. So the ability to actually connect around the outside of your accounting and bookkeeping platforms, these other services that make sense, that rely on things that are going on with your business to kind of be connected into it, whether they're financial services, can allow platforms like Fragent to become this kind of indispensable hub for a lot of these other kind of services. Not quite a marketplace. It's a bit more nuanced than that in the sense that these things actually are not just, as I say, signpost off to a bunch of different, you know, revenue share arrangements. The thing about using the data that kind of extends out to these other products sensibly and kind of connects them in is kind of part of the point of that from our point of view. So we, we see there's an opportunity to, you know, make customers' lives easier by having all this stuff in one place. And that's insurance is one of the first places we've gone with that. But there are, there are a bunch of other kind of areas of interest for us around the edges, around other financial products, whether that may, might be not for today, you know, obviously the, the topic where we're thinking about, but there's some lending products, even in mortgages for self-employed individuals. These kind of bits and pieces make a lot of sense to kind of plug into the kind of accounting platform. And, and insurance was, was, was literally probably the one that was most obvious to us in terms of there being a gap in terms of the process, but also a gap in terms of the businesses that we're talking about here or self-employed individuals very often not even knowing that they have a lack of insurance or, or, or underinsured as well. So we could play a really strong role in that as well. Yeah, Alex, what about from, a, from an insurance perspective? You know, obviously, Kevin makes his product more useful to his customers, makes his product more attractive to his customers. So yes, totally understand there's more things they can get from Kevin. Why do you want to do this, you know, as an insurer? And perhaps, you know, you can give us your motivations, but maybe there's something also to talk about. How do you make sure that your brand stays visible here? Because obviously, when you're working with free agent, there's, you're no longer the first contact point, I suppose. Yeah, so I think, there's probably three. There's a, something right now that we can solve for, right? And then there's the midterm, midterm view of where this could go. And then there's the long-term vision of it all, right? So, so right now, the benefit to Hiscox is there are thousands of customers that we wouldn't normally have access to that are engaged with a platform that use free agent every day to manage their business, that have that touch point, that have that trust that we can tap into and we can make sure that we're presenting the right insurance at the right time to help those customers, right? So that's the kind of the, what's available to us immediately. And then I think longer term, like we still spend a lot of money managing the insurance that we've got. 
And if, if some of that can be passed off and actually self-serve, self-managed, AI-managed within FreeAgent, and they can start doing some of that stuff for us. And the customers can then pull out what they want to be able to pull out for it. And we're pointing them when they need to update stuff. They don't have to think about it. Then actually, there's a whole expense saving to be had in doing that as well. And then I think long-term, if you we talk about open banking, open finance, open data, things that come up on, on 11FS all the time, right? It's the, where this freedom of movement of data is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to lead to. Well, open insurance is something that's being, that's being discussed within that, within that open finance sector. And like, this is going to give us that one step forward. We're already starting to learn what's going to work and what's not going to work. If that, if that ever was to come in, that you can start transporting data and insurance around, that actually we, we've built a lot of learnings out through, through this already. So the vision is we want to be part of that, like, how do we make insurance easy, honest, worry-free for customers? Like, just give them the solution and give them the pointers, as opposed to kind of educating and having to rely on referrals. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But Nigel, are there, are there any other benefits to, to participants in the ecosystem that you can think of? I, obviously, you, you have a slightly different perspective on this, but yeah, I mean, I actually want to go back to one of the points that Kevin made around marketplace versus embedded, and you call the things out as very different. And I, I know we've had a lot of conversations around. Anorak who've been on that were on the Starling marketplace and a bunch of others. I'd love to get your perspective on why they're different first and then jump into the participants. So I think the specific example we've got here, and Alex touches or references that is, so we're actually pointing our customers at the need for insurance very deliberately based on our understanding of what's going on in their business. So we can actually identify to those customers who choose to opt into this kind of service is that it looks that you don't have any insurance or you know looks you don't have the right level of insurance and actually highlight to that, that to them if they're interested you know we don't put the gun to their head we can pull back indicative pricing from the hiscox side and present that to customer directly inside free agent and then we, we still at the moment anyway we still hand off to hiscox to the quote and buy fully from that point of view but then it brings them back in uh, to free agent where all their documentation exists, the renewal dates, all of those kind of information are inside free agent. And that t- to us is quite different than just handing off to a landing page with a referral code and then getting a kind of revenue share from that point of view further on. So all the data that, that we have that's available to kind of pass across to Hiscox when a customer moves across to the actual purchase journey goes with them and then comes back as well, you know, the, the, the purchase side on, on those kind of bits and pieces. So I think we would see... You know, what we don't do at Free Agent, Nigel, is we don't have, you know, 65 different expense application add-ons on our kind of marketplace or ecosystem or app store in that kind of sense. We're, we're much more curated and targeted and, and deep, I suppose, in terms of the integration that we have. And this is a really good example of that from, from, from what we've done with Hiscox, we would argue. Like this is why us as Hiscox choosing the right partner or getting the right partner to work with is so important, right? So it, it isn't a – we're not creating a marketplace play. We're not looking to add uh, a solution as an app, as something you can, go and, you can go and connect to what you've already got. It's living, breathing within the free agent um, application. It's part, of the, it's part of what you're getting when you're a free agent customer. It's, it's, it lives there. And there's a lot of work required on free agent there's a lot of time energy like drive to want to be able to create that and there are there are probably lots of other more profitable things that you could have been spending your time and energy in in, in doing but like in regards to like what you can build here and as in what makes it compelling for a customer what makes it sticky what what, what insight engine are you creating here that's useful for free agent for nat west group i imagine that you're, you're creating quite a lot out of that from, from what we're doing but it's just it's just a highlight it's selecting the right partner or working with the right people is really really important 
So with that in mind, Alex, would you, uh, what are your thoughts? You may not be able to answer this question, but what are your thoughts on a proposition like perhaps Lemonades, which is from delivered via an API? So anybody who chooses to pull that in could. I mean, maybe you don't have to give your thoughts on it, but maybe you could explain why Hiscox has decided to go through this more involved route before going down that you know that, that that route where it's literally like anybody who wants it can have it kind of thing i mean i, I can't speak a lot for a lemonade because i don't know their, their business inside out right and it's a, di- it's a different area of course but the reason why we want to to work out, we, we've got to start somewhere right mm-hmm. uh, and it, it was kind of like well where do we where do we best start do we try and create everything for everybody from day one and what's the investment in regard in regards to that and what's the take-up going to be like we're still building out this as a business model to show that engagement the customers actually want to work this way and for us it made more sense to work with one partner deliver something really good within that and then look to expand it from there if, if we can show that it works so it was just it was just a, a choice and i think again i come back to the point of partner like when you when we when those conversations have and i say i wasn't part of the original conversations that's 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 a predecessor of mine called rob moore and when he was having those conversations with kevin i think it was pretty clear that this is a really good partner to work with they're as invested in this is what we are these don't come along very often. We should grab this opportunity while it's there. So it's not by design, but it's just by what happens. Well, I guess the point is different strategies are right for different businesses as well. So it's, it, it, you know, there is going to be no one size fits all when you're, you're starting out with something like this. To come back to you, Nigel, were there any other participants within the ecosystem that you wanted to comment on here? Were there any others who spring to mind? I mean, there's loads. I mean, I think this is a, this, this area has exploded and I've got a whole bunch of questions. I'm almost going to save for later but there's participants throughout the whole ecosystem that, that that say, you know, Alex, your point about we're going to work with one partner to get it right from first first time round. What happens when they want something that you don't do? These are all bridges to cross, right? So for us, it's it's we've got to say, come back to the original point. We've got to start somewhere. It makes sense to start here. We're creating a an SME insurance product that lives and breathes within within free agent, and hopefully, if we get super loads of engagement and they're looking for motor insurance. And we can't do their, their fleet or their van or whatever it is that they need within within that. Then that opens up opportunities for free agent, right? That's part of what we're doing here. It's not just our opportunity, right? It's our opportunity. And it's this learning that we have as well around how to do this stuff. This is this is not a, you know, we, we're still drawing the map to this bit of the territory as free agent, as a non-insurance provider participant in this space as to how this stuff works. Like you say, though, Nigel, that there are other um, types of insurance. I mean, the, uh, I'm quite interested in credit insurance. I know we've got a couple of integration partners, but you can see how for the types of businesses and customers of, of free agent, that could be a really, particularly what, you know, we're probably looking at the, you know, the economic environment over the next year or two, you know, around kind of certainty and, and kind of businesses kind of recovering from what's going on. Things like credit insurance are going to be quite an interesting thing to, you know, bring back to these bits and pieces and embedding those kind of things is doable from API's point of view, without question. We can do all those kind of bits and pieces. But the, the other point is this contextual positioning within the day-to-day experience of being inside free agent. You know, it's not just here's a list of kind of things you can connect to. It's actually much more ingrained and integrated than that, where we have a notifications platform called Radar inside free agent, where we kind of tell the business about, you know, and a kind of stream about things that go on about the business. And one of those is, you know, do you want to look at your, your insurance position or, or it looks like you don't have any insurance, it looks like your renewal's coming up. You know, these kind of bits and pieces can kind of play into that. And also the contextual kind of call outs, I suppose, for when they're they're dealing with the relevant bits of their business finances to kind of plug that in. And that goes, we think, just that bit deeper than maybe just the, the kind of API stuff. Just in that regard, like we're also like conscious and careful around insurance distribution directives. So we've got to be, we've got to build this in mind that we're not, 
it's not advising. It's not. It's not. It's not um, crossing the threshold. We're, we're introducing relevant products at relevant time, and we're going through the process, the right, the correct process, and making sure that we are we are doing that. There is that hurdle. There is that risk around that, and I think we're managing that day by day, but bit, bit by bit. And in fact, it is helped by the fact that it's a digital platform that's actually algorithmically defining those people that, that as to when the insurance and and the the timing of the insurance as well to some extent is that you're not having to a human trying to make interpretation on this stuff and this is the conversations you know that we've had Fragent and Hiscox the regulatory teams at Hiscox you know we've, we've been very involved in making sure all the copy and all the wording and all the kind of processes that are, are, are fit for purpose we're a appointed representative of Hiscox for the FCA and, and and all of the kind of you know, doing it right, you know, from, from, from that standpoint but by the, the customer. And just for the point of the customer and, and, and talking about end customers, I mean, just one final question on this section for you, Alex. Do you envisage this as being a way for you to reach customers, embedded insurance that is, but also through your partnership with a free agent, of reaching customers that Hiscox perhaps wouldn't have done otherwise? I'm thinking perhaps maybe about some of those people that, that Kevin mentioned who didn't even know they needed insurance or what it was. So they were never going to go and Google Hiscox because you know, they hadn't even got that far. Do you see that as another opportunity for you here to, to broaden your distribution, I suppose? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I do, I do see it as a distribution play in the first instance. That's where you get the benefits from. You, you, so you're tapping into the trust that Frasian have got with those customers. Like in, in the same way as it would have been an association or it would have been a membership body in the past and you'd have been trying to advertise to them through mail shops because you're using the, the weight of that relationship with them. It's the same same thing here, but in a, digi- in a digital way, right? There's a bunch of engaged customers that are used to using free agent day-to-day as their, sole, as their engine, their business engine. And what we're able to do is serve useful insights that are going to be relevant to those customers or maybe relevant to those customers at times that matter, that matter most without over-egging it, right? That's the other thing we're conscious of. It's just we can't bombard with insights for insights reasons or, or messaging for messaging reasons. It's, it's right it's right message at the right time, trying to be helpful. That's brilliant. We're just going to leave that there. And now I'm going to hand over to you, Nigel, to talk a little bit about the difference embedded insurance can make for customers. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And, and probably our favourite part to start on, because I think when we start innovating in insurance, I often get worried we get hung up on products, not the actual end customer. And this is where I think marketplaces and embedded insurance can really come into their own. So if we start backwards, what difference does it actually make for customers first and foremost? I don't know, Kevin, do I go to you? Is, is, am I, is that, let me ask a slightly broader question say, who owns a customer? Well, I think these are fragrant customers who want to benefit from our partnership with Hiscox. So I suppose by definition, it being embedded means they're logged into free agent to to access the opportunity to to view and either the existing or potential policies they might want to buy. So I think they are, they are to start with free agent customers, but we'd like obviously as many of them as possible to become joint customers with Hiscox as well. If that's not too diplomatic an answer for you, Nigel, it's not. But but I then go into the point, and I think Alex made it earlier. You've started on certain lines. What happens when you want to expand that to? to motor or other areas that, for example, uh, the Hiscox team doesn't cover today or has no intention of ever covering, is that something that you then go and orchestrate or is it on Hiscox to go and orchestrate? And if I give you the example from North America, the Americans that don't have their own line will have a brokerage that they then get brokerage commission to someone else. Yeah, and I think that, that there's always that option for us and that's not where we started. You know, I think, as we've said, that this is new, right? This is new for us. It's new for Hiscox. Um, you know, we're a digitally native, hopefully innovative in 
still quite young software company. Hiscox have been about the, around the block a few times and been about for a bit longer and we're, we're kind of working out how to, how to work together from that point of view. But you do have options when it comes to these these other lines. And where we've started is the the most commonly used, you know, insurance uh, types that, that people are going to expect to have, you know, the sort of employer's liability, public liability and, and professional indemnity. Uh, we're, we're just expanding out to, I think, medical malpractice just at, at the moment as well. But beyond that, at the moment, we don't kind of go there. But I think the broker route is probably the kind of right place for us to go as and when we want to expand that out. Because otherwise, you'd be in there, you know, connecting into to 27 different insurance companies. And, and that's probably not something that we want to do. As I, I referred earlier on, you we want to curate and manage something that's simple for our users. And, and if we're introducing another layer of complex, another layer of kind of multiple providers, whatever, then that, that's not going to necessarily play that back to them. Yeah, and coming back to the choice of partner there, Nigel, right? So there's a big correlation between the people that use free agent, right? The one person companies in the main and micro businesses that use free agent and those that we like to ensure that we have a track record of ensuring. There's a huge correlation between those two sets, right? So at this stage right now, we can we can ensure the vast majority of those people that are going, that are going through it. And and to Kevin's point, right, we are building out the product. It's, it starts with one thing, starts as a, as a proof of concept, moves to an MVP, right? We then make it scalable and then we're adding other products. So we're building this functionality. We don't have the, we don't have the finished article as in like, this is it, we've achieved everything now. It's it's a journey, right? We're going on it step by step and working out what, what customers want growing it out organically from the customer it's, it's really interesting what actually you, you both touched on a little bit the, the i think embedded's really exciting in that it makes life easier for, for the customer at least on the acquisition the one thing i've been chatting to a number of folks simon torrance has about this extensively as well with a, with a really great insight onto it is what happens on the back end i.e if i then make a, an adjustment or a claim how do we then create the operating model that doesn't lead me to Kevin, to your point, 27 different partners. Have you thought much about how that would work and how you engage, whether it's a you know, change of address to free agent and then does that flow through automatically or is that all in progress to be worked out as, as you go forward? That, that, most of that is in progress. It's something we've definitely thought about and we've got a lot of kind of in-year adjustments work that we're looking to do from those sides and also the kind of claim process. That's going to be key, you know, because insurance, I mean, it, it is a fact of life insurance that people will want to make a claim. So, it, the point for this for people ultimately is to be able to manage this stuff inside their accounting application, not to say, that's enough now, you've got to log out of this and go and try and remember what your password is to log into this other thing. That's that's not what we want to happen. That's not what we're going to allow to happen. So we're kind of working through a lot of those bits and pieces together. In fact, right now, we've got a fairly comprehensive roadmap of stuff that we want to do, both from introducing it to as many of the relevant people as we possibly can as, as to making much of the in-year stuff and the renewal stuff uh, as straightforward and, and, and simple as possible. So I think it, it, it is an important aspect of this. It's not just, you know, thanks for your money, see you next year kind of stuff. That that's If there was one thing that Alex mentioned, so, um, Rob, it was him and I that were originally kind of launched this this partnership together, going, going back a couple of years now, really. And uh, I think one of the, the kind of objectives we had in that that we spoke about was potentially getting rid of the renewal. You know, I mean, I think that, that's part of the point of this is, is to, to say that is the renewal relevant anymore is is actually there's a much more dynamic relationship between your business and your insurance so when your turnover goes up should your level of cover go up automatically without you actually having to remember to do something like that when you add your first employee your employer's liability switches on and that actually changes the premium on an ongoing basis so we can do all of those we know we're 
We're in the process of being able to do all those kind of bits and pieces because we have the data. We have now the connection, the connections between us and Hiscox to do those bits and pieces. What we're going to do is finish all the wiring and the plumbing that goes on that knows that to happen. Just to bring this sort of, I suppose, almost to the the retail customer perspective as well, because I'm just thinking, you know, as a as a small business owner, I may well manage my business life, and I say that in inverted commas through one platform. But as a as a consumer, as a as a as a, as a human, I don't necessarily manage my entire life through through one portal yet. It may be coming. You know, we're talking a lot about these aggregation apps and open finance, but we are a very very long way off that being a reality. So I'm wondering about how we how this is applied to. Um, um, a situation where you have multiple types of insurance that aren't necessarily so aligned in a single point, if that makes sense. I wouldn't necessarily assume my home insurance, I was going to say my home insurance and my car insurance, but actually I could see how they'd be aligned. But my home insurance, my pet insurance, my travel insurance, do I, you know, this is where I guess you get the option of, of I can't remember the name, what is the German company's name that offers you kind of an insurance wallet? Is that where we're heading for this embedded insurance or is that only suitable to certain markets? And is it more about the fact that, actually we don't need that at all if you're talking about everyday life and insurance being as and when you need it it's just the product or service you buy that it's embedded in so for small businesses it's relevant to have all the different types of insurance in one portal that you access through one point which is free agent or whoever you might use for the average consumer maybe it's different and it's what i'm thinking about like just you wouldn't it doesn't make as much sense to me to have it in one place it's more about my travel okay, I've bought that holiday, I know it's insured because it comes with it. I've got the puppy and I've taken it to the vet and the puppy and the vet have somehow given me insurance. I'm sure that's a thing, Nigel, we, and I have talked about it. It really is. It, yeah, I, I get my mortgage and my insurance comes with it, you know, whatever it is. I'm just thinking about the end, the differences in the end user experiences. Yeah, I do think there's going to be so different areas will be different, different advancement, but especially what we're doing is, the first, again, coming back to the, the, it's the first step in what we're doing. But you can see how, like, Open banking has created different companies doing different stuff where they plug all this together, right? There's an ag- aggregation tools that help you manage all that type of thing. Now, it would be remiss to think that I think that that type of thing wouldn't necessarily happen in insurance. But again, what we're fighting here and what, what we've mentioned a few times now is, in the, is, it, is customer inertia, like dealing with it is a real pain. Like it's still little proof, I think, that they would actually engage with a product that helps you manage all those things. Is that, is that compelling enough for you to want to do it? Or does it need to be part of something else? And I think all of those things need to be proved. Embedded insurance needs to move along a bit. And then you'll see lots of different propositions kind of popping up around that potentially. Just a final point on that. I think actually that I sort of maybe hit the nail on the head when I said it's that German company. You know, we know that German consumers are, are more engaged with their insurance product than, than British consumers. And, and I'm sure there are discrepancies across all the different European markets before we even talk about you know outside of, of, of the European region so to your point Alex yes I think I have to remember that there are different solutions for different markets but that perhaps makes life even more difficult <laughs> for people trying to make the solutions but you have you have had businesses I was at Brawley that was was doing so, trying to do some of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and yep. it was I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I confess I don't know what where, where they're at now but acquired by DLG yeah so that was a while ago as well you know which was the thing and, and, and then you move into this whole and, and again, you get you guys are more in the insurance space than, than possibly I am. But uh, you know the subscription economy that we're now moving into, in, in essence, where you, you're you probably manage these things and, and the services that might actually manage your subscriptions and these kind of regular things that you buy. Let me take your point on subscription because I was going to ask: Does this now mean people do or do not buy insurance ad hoc? Number one. And as you think about that, one of the ideas that we talked about a while ago, maybe even Alex, you and I talked about it, was. If you start to co-terminate, i.e. you pick up all the insurances along the way and we stick them back into the bundle that is the annual renewal cycle, which, you know, Alex, to your point, we might even get rid of. 
all of a sudden something that even in the subscription economy, which is why I triggered it, used to be, you know, a fiver here or three quid there or nine quid here, all of a sudden becomes a thousand pounds in one big hit. So do you see it snowballing up slowly bit by bit by bit? Or are they all going to start to co-terminate in over time into one big, you know, all risks policy like uh, we Fox are talking about? I, I would say we just need to we just need to see how it unfolds. I think it's pretty hard to predict what that, what that's going to look like. I think there's always going to be annual policies that that's not going to change. There's nothing to suggest that people are going to change from buying annual policies and then shopping around on a yearly basis. Whether it's personal insurance or commercial insurance, those things happen. The aggregator sites came in and they changed that distribution a, a little bit, but they didn't take 100% of the distribution. It took 15% of the distribution. And I think embedded insurance has that same type type of capability, and it can come up and mix up the distribution a little bit, but there's still going to be need for all these other policies and the, and the ways that people have typically bought going back to my point i mentioned to sarah on like whether a company comes along and creates something that allows you to aggregate all these things together and manage better more clever more clever in a more clever way we just have to wait and see it'd be, it'd be great if, if someone could make insurance really really easy right really simple don't have to think about it but i know i've got it right and i and i narrow that that protection gap that is, is often mentioned by people in, in, in the media. It's almost that wallet that you talk about to make it nice and simple and bring it all together into one easy place. It's, it's an online risk manager of sorts. I will go back and challenge both of you, though, on your point about the annual cycle, Alex, and just play it through. You know, Kevin talked about your first employee. Well, they've got the data and free agent because we know the payroll's gone out and whatever else. That then triggers things like auto-enrollment on pension, perhaps, once you get to a certain number. But it also triggers... I might need employer's liability. If that employee is a gig worker or a freelancer that you've got in for three months, you don't necessarily want a whole annual cycle. So you might just want it on a subscription basis anyway to go, hey, it's a three-month employee, just give it to me for that period of time. Yeah. So we, we've had quite a few interesting conversations as interested amateurs, shall we say, in the insurance game, you know, from, from free agent standpoint about, you know, and, and uh, Alex's, uh, you know, boss, Bob Thacker, he, he's going to, charged us with the thing of what are the things we could do from an insurance product point of view that we have with the data that's available that, that belongs to the to the customer that we couldn't have done before so the, these are possibly some of those kind of questions Nigel about you know sort of slightly more innovative insurance products and, and, and other kind of ways of, of, of kind of defining what this actually is so you're right you know is, is it something that as an insurer you're happy to do on a, on a short-term basis rather than an annual basis because you know confidently what's actually going on with that business. I, I, again, with the consent of the customer, because it's always up to them whether they want to, to to participate in this and have the kind of data flow back and forward and, and these kind of bits and pieces. But you can see how there could be some of these kind of more interesting, uh, more interesting, additionally interesting products and services that probably wouldn't be feasible without a wraparound of additional sets of data from a from an insurance point of view as well to actually do the underwriting. You know, so I, I know that's a, that's a slightly different point, but your point about... At the moment, you would you would do that on an annual basis. You want three months. That's that's a decision, isn't it? That's a decision an insurance an insurer can make. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that's up to them to decide the cover that they want to provide in these things. And actually, having access to this data, and this is probably the bit about um, what in, you know, open finance, open insurance, open banking. You know, we're, we're very afraid that we manage all of our own open banking stuff to all of the banks, and we don't use an aggregation layer on these kind of bits and pieces. That's a really good yardstick by what things are possible two, three years after this stuff launches that you wouldn't have necessarily had a, a vision of those kind of bits and pieces that you might be able to do in that. So as and when you open up insurance and pensions and other investments, bits and pieces, 
there's a whole bunch of stuff that you could actually do that would support a lot of kind of innovation in, in terms of other premiums, other policies and, and other products that could be available in the insurance space as well. So I was going to go a bit out of scope here, right? So so we were talking about Hiscox and free agent policy, but we are talking mainly here about embedded insurance, not about what we're building, right? So, so, the, so the idea here is like, yeah, of course, products could be developed, right? If you, as long as you can show that customers are going to engage with a product that's that's going to be managing their insurance through a non-insurance portal, through an accounting platform or their banking app or something else that's, that, that's different, right? Well, there may be other things like, I don't know, 50% of these customers use this cyber protection software. And actually, you know, we can see that there are better risk as a result of that. Why don't we price something differently for them through this platform as we've, as we've got that? But it all funnels through that app instead, right? There will be data points around certain customers that are looking for certain products that you'll be able to fulfill and we'll be able to create on top of that. So there's loads of things that could be done in this space in regards to that use of data. And I think it's just a case of it, it, it unpacking a little bit at the moment. We, we, it's, it's, it's just really, really early. And we need to prove that the customers want to use it this way, that want to engage with insurance in this manner. And if we do that, then we open the door to, to, to exploring further, I think. I, th- I think just to pick up on that point, if you're talking about the protection gap, we can offer a million things to people, but if they don't want them, that, that there's no point in doing it. And I think one of the points with insurance, and I'm sure you will know this better than I will, Nigel, but if you're going to sell insurance as part of something else, the customer has to know that. And I am sure an awful lot of customers will go, well, what's the price if I don't have that? You know, what can you can you take it off? Because because I think I think customers are still driven by price, and I know that's not necessarily the right way to look at it. But I think you, you whilst it it might be easier and more convenient, and some consumers and customers will just go, yeah, you know what, it comes with them, so that's fine. There will still be a percentage who go. I'm going to take the risk. I don't want it or I can't afford it. And then the third group who go, nah, I know better. I'm going to go do my own research and I'll be able to get it cheaper on. So with providers, insurers delivering this embedded insurance product, there's so many things they have to hit. They have to hit the right price point. They have to hit the right sort of delivery mechanism. And they have to sort of make sure that the product they're offering is some somehow better than what customers can get somewhere else because delivering as part of a holiday or a car or a puppy is um, is, is only going to be a, a small amount better for some customers does that make sense it kind yeah, of 100%. some of these additional things we're talking about kind of yeah but if you get it from us we can make sure that because we know you we're going to take the price down if you take the puppy to the vets every six months or you know that that kind of you have to sell that kind of additional bit there's a huge risk of mis-selling, right? There's a, that's been a hot topic in regards to insurance for, for a while now. I in like, like, are you giving someone actually what they want? Or do they know that they're getting it? Can they actually use it? So that, of course, there's a huge risk of if, you, if you're embedding stuff up, you're, you're going you're gonna to go into that. And I think the regulators are getting pretty good at kind of breaking that stuff up and getting hot and making sure that doesn't doesn't happen. From a pure Hiscox free agent element, right, it's not being included with anything. Like it is a, it's a separate policy. They are a free agent customer. Then if they want to become a Hiscox customer, they buy a Hiscox policy, right? And then they just access it and they manage it and they use it through the free agent portal. So it's not quite it's, it's not quite that, that, that element. But I can see how in other products that can be developed where you're embedding it, when you're buying a toaster off Amazon, for example, or something, then, yeah, I can, I, I can see that, that you border into cross-selling, into mis-selling. As you said, your, your point about mis-selling, I've written down in big, bold letters in the paper for me, PPI, and that's obviously what our industry is desperately willing to avoid again about mis-selling or having things twice. Sarah, to your point, it almost reminds me of the life industry probably tens or so years ago where they said, let's give the cost of advice and make it transparent to everyone. That then meant people could see how much for the first time they were paying for um, trail commissions and all that sort of good stuff. 
that then led into people going, well, I'm not paying that. I can see how much I'm paying for that now. And that led into the protection gap in the pension industry being going, I'm not paying for it. And therefore I'm going to do without the product first and foremost, which then led into us creating auto-enrollment. So almost went full cycle by going, whilst we're transparent and telling you what you're now paying for, some people rejected it, went, I'm not paying that. But rather than going about doing anything themselves with a SIP or whatever else, they did nothing. So they ended up with no cover. Yeah, but I think the point is some people are always going to want that choice to have no cover. And I don't know, unless you make it legally a requirement like auto-enrollment in pensions or car insurance or, you know, there are... Employees' other, liability. Yeah. Employees' liability. Then then you are going to have those people. And, and I, I actually think you should respect those people's choice. Alex? Do you want to echo your comments and get something else uh, else across, right? So, so I think you're absolutely right. There's going to be those customers that, that don't want to have the insurance or are going to want to not engage with insurance, which is which is absolutely fine, right? It's their choice in order to go and do that unless they're legally required to have something or contractually required to have something. But I think what, what embedded insurance can do is it can have more of that middle range of that customer. Those that would like to have the proper insurance solution that doesn't want the, the protection gap, right? But they don't know how to go about doing that and solving that easily and without going into, into extra time and hassle of dealing with multiple different parties to resolve this and knowing that they've got the, they've got the right price because they don't have the experience or the expertise necessarily in dealing with it already. And I think embedded insurance can solve the protection gap for those people right the ones that want to solve it but don't quite know how to so on a very a very quick point my household is divided i will pay extra money for somebody to solve problems for me my partner will insist he can solve them himself and we are not the only household where i'm sure that just you know decisions get a bit fraught because one person just goes let's pay somebody else to deal with it and the other person goes no no i know better just the point there is that different people have different attitudes. I'm with you, and this household is exactly the same. Emma will tell me one thing. I'll say I can do it myself, and she'll just go call someone to do it for you. And it's not necessarily sometimes a knowledge gap. Sometimes it's a time gap. And have you got the expertise of someone who's spent 20 years in insurance advising you of risk or whatever else? Which actually leads us to the next point really, really nicely, which is what does successful embedded insurance look like, both for the end customer primarily, should it be embedded and invisible and they should never see you, Or should there be elements of friction in there that remind you on a regular basis that says, we've got you, don't worry, you're covered? I think the latter, definitely. And I think that that sense of we've got you is is kind of fundamental in this from a a consumer and a small business point of view. But I think it needs to be, if it's not on a, a disclosed basis, if it's so invisible that it becomes almost kind of irrelevant in some levels you know i mean again they could claim but they if they're not involved in that they're not in, they're not making an informed choice they're not making an informed decision our, our role in this is to inform and to facilitate rather than remove i would say in, in respect to that there's a lot of headroom in terms of making it even easier for people and the education and understanding and appropriate levels of cover that people could have in these things but i think that from our point of view success would be people really engaging with their appropriate level of insurance even if their engagement on that is to switch on a toggle switch that says manage this all for me automatically but at least i want to be able to be informed and, and, and see what level of cover i've got and how much it's costing me you know, to have those kind of levels of cover that would probably be from a free agent standpoint what we would see as success in that i would say there are some challenges to all of this too right so it's not as straightforward as this is a slam dunk right there's there's compliance things that we need to need to think about right so how do, how do we make sure we're compliant with what we're meant to be doing and how we're meant to be talking to customers, that we're not stretching stretching into advice or guidance in regards to what the customer needs to do, that it's still that non-advice. Because for some customers, they're going to want advice and they're going to fall outside of what, we, what, we, what we're building here. But in the future, you can see how those type of robo-advisors or other, other advice can be built into it with other, other partners. I think you've got two points there, though, Alex. Point one is, and 
Kevin touched on it, the informs piece. At what point can I tell you through the open banking data, hey, a business of your size with this number of employees needs these three things, therefore they are mandatory. So you don't have a choice. So, so need, need is a strong word, right? So, so need, is, need is a strong word that we'd, I don't think we'd, we, we would put in, a, in any of that vocabulary. But it, wouldn't it be great if you're a business owner? So, so Sarah, the business owner, is, is, is looking at, I've got no idea what I want to do with my business insurance, but I know 90% of businesses like me carry this, this, and this at this price, right? That would probably be a good place to start, right? And you can then start making your decisions from that. And I think it depends how you're, how you're positioning it. You, could, you, you, could, you, can, you can carry that better. Now, we're not in that position yet with, with anything with free agent, but you can see that we, this is where you could get to with something like embedded insurance, where you can easily see what is normal for a business like yours to make a decision on. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. I think my point is the needs and wants that you go through as you go through a checklist with a client are there for exactly that reason. They are needs and wants. And we have to be able to differentiate clearly I think embedded makes some of it easier and some of it more complicated. So I do think the mandated things that you have to do to carry out your work, we should be able to pick up. And, if, and you know, do you get, at what point do you become the nanny state and turn around and go, hey, we know you need this insurance and you haven't got it. Is there something in free agent that says, tick, I've got this covered elsewhere to your point, Kevin? Well, I think at that point, we are going to have to end this discussion um, because otherwise I'm sure and I know that you guys can keep going for, for quite a while. But um, I think the point that we've got to is that there are definitely benefits for all parties involved, but customers have to know what's going on. They have to be you know, informed. They have to feel in control. And I think the important thing that insurers are slowly starting to get their heads around is I need to feel that the insurer is looking out for me. You need to be telling me how I can make it less likely to make a claim or you know, make it easier if I do need to make a claim, whatever that might be. Um, but at that point, we're going to draw it to an end before we end up with a 17-hour podcast and our poor sound technician has a breakdown and quits. That wraps up today's discussion. Thank you all so much for joining me. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your companies and what you're up to? Alex, how about you? Just go to my LinkedIn. So Alex Wheel, W-H-E-A-L. And Hiscox, just go to the www.hiscox.co.uk. Perfect. Kevin, how about you? freeagent.com and also my LinkedIn as well so Kevin McCallum M-C-C-A-L-L-U-M and Nigel I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter at Nigel Walsh and you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Kachansky thank you so much for listening if you like what you've heard subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review it does help to make us better and it helps others to find the show as always, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or InsureTech Insider. And you can also find us on Twitter at InsureTech Insiders or email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.